I'm Rose Skeeters, host of From Borderline to Beautiful, a show about hope and recovery for BPD. I often get asked the question of what do I do when I have a bad day? When I have a bad day, meaning when I wake up and I feel dysregulated, angry, irritable, anxious, or some other negative emotion, I know that I need to have a formula to get through the day. Also, guys, I just want to apologize. I'm a little bit nasally this week because I'm fighting off a little cold. Um, So I figured I'm going to have to do this episode anyway because I really want to reach out to everyone weekly. I know a lot of people rely on this as part of their recovery. Um, So pardon my nasaliness. All right. So my bad day formula includes three parts. Self-check gratitude, and selfless service. The first thing that you want to do if you wake up on the wrong side of the bed is to run the self-check formula. You can do this at any time you're going to have an episode or if you're just having a bad day from the jump. First, take some time to understand the source of this episode or of the negative mood you're in. Literally sit or lay down and think about the state that you're in. Was it sparked by something? Someone? Is it a psychological response to something or a physiological affliction? Like, are you tired or sick or hungry or stressed? Find the true source. Take some time to lean into that. And then acknowledge it as something that can and will pass. Then move on to gratitude. Remember all the things that you are grateful for. I take each person who will be close to me that day and I list out why I love them and why I am grateful for them. Sometimes I do this on paper or on my notepad or my phone and sometimes I just spend time in quiet reflection remembering this. That's a starting point for me so that I can remember why having an episode is a bad idea and how it can harm those that I love. The next thing I do in my bad day formula is I take a big leap into the core value of selfless service. So let's talk about that. What is selfless service? Selfless service means doing something for someone else without expecting anything in return. Doing something for someone else without expecting anything in return. Now, before I get more into that, I will say that selfless service is more enjoyable when you have a surplus of positive energy, meaning it's so hard to do this when you aren't in a positive emotional state because you probably feel depleted or like there's some sort of emotional deficit you need to fill. But that doesn't mean that selfless service can't be done because even if you aren't in a good emotional space, you may have a surplus of other kinds of energy, like a physical energy. And you can use that as a way to offer selfless service to others. It just may not feel as enjoyable on bad days, which is fine, because it shows character to those being given the selfless service. And a lot of the times it results in this reciprocal interaction in a relationship, meaning it's like that since I did that for you, that person will be more likely to then reciprocate that and do something back. Selfless service was very difficult for me, honestly, and still can be on bad days if I don't leap into it. 
I was a selfish person and I couldn't see just how self-centered I was until recovery. The thing about being selfish and self-centered is that this is often the very thing that destroys us. We live in a world now where the focus on ourselves is emphasized, from Facebook to Instagram to TikTok. Selfies and focus on the self is celebrated. We take a selfie and then wait for someone to like it or love it. It has become the norm for people to seek external validation, not just people with BPD. But let's just for a second imagine a world where everyone practiced selfless service, where you just donated money or time to someone in need without posting it to Facebook or calling someone to tell them you did it. What would that be like? I've talked about people with BPD lacking certain types of empathy when they're in the middle of an episode. While this is true, when we're not in an episode, we have an overflow of compassion and empathy for others in so many ways, but it often gets lost in our self-centered worldview. What if you were willing to turn your mind towards others and to use the gift of intense compassion that you have for others to make the world a better place, or even just to make your home a more peaceful place. What if your partner had a long day at work, for example, and they are coming home and call you, asking you to cook dinner? Let's say you are having just an awful day yourself, and maybe you have the tendency to get upset and think that your partner doesn't care about you, or maybe you get angry because you are emotionally exhausted and don't want to do anything. Turning your mind towards selfless service would be to just cook the dinner without complaint, without boasting. Turn your mind away from pain and hatred and ruminating and just throw yourself into cooking a meal for your partner. Selfless service. I started myself with small acts of selfless service in the community. I would do little things, right? I would like leave my quarter in the cart at Aldi when I returned it. I would smile at cashiers and make silly jokes and just be nice to people. I wouldn't race ahead of someone to change lanes if I was driving, and I would just allow someone with road rage to just pass without cursing them out. (laughs) I would go into social situations and conversations focusing entirely on the person with whom I was talking. I would ask them questions, and I would really practice not just waiting to talk or to talk about myself or to bring the conversation around to talking about myself. I would park in the back of the parking lot so that someone else could have a better spot. I would wait in the long line at the grocery store with a full cart, and then when someone would come behind me with just a gallon of milk and a loaf of bread, I would encourage them to get ahead of me and go first. I would hold the door for people. When my favorite host wanted space, I wouldn't sit at home wallowing and ruminating. I would engage in acts of selfless service to take the focus off of my own self, selfish tendencies. I stopped expecting the world around me to give me the life I wanted, and I started really looking for meaning by seeing other people and their needs. Here's a big realization that I had to come to. Other people are never going to give you the life you expect. I'll say that again. 
Other people are never going to give you the life you expect. This includes your favorite host or favorite person. <laughs> what if you stopped wondering how to let go of them because of how it will impact you and let go of them because it would benefit them? I know that some of the things I say on my podcast are harsh and sometimes hard to hear. But all I can hope for is that I open your eyes to certain things. The real change happens in the steps you take to follow the formulas I set forth and make real changes to your behavior. I can't do that for you. That takes a leap of faith to trust in yourself and to let go of old patterns of behavior. The more you do the work, the less you'll have to think about every step of the formula and it will become more natural to you. So if you're having a bad day, remember the bad day formula. Self-check, gratitude, and selfless service. All right, time for everyone's favorite Q&A. I'm going to take three questions, and I have Jay here to help me answer them. Hello, everyone. Awesome. So let's go to question number one. When do I know when I'm okay to try dating again after my last relationship was ruined by BPD? I'm not in a hurry because I want to work on the interpersonal work for a while. Plus, the first year of law school and dating don't mix. However, this is a real fear I have now. I'm scared to ever try again. And then this person goes on to say, I will admit I'm 32 and have been in constant relationships with almost no breaks in between since I was 15. So I am 100% okay being alone right now. However, I know... One day I want to get married and have a kid. So I don't want to stop myself in the future out of fear. I'll just be finding another host and convincing myself I am better when perhaps I am not better. That's just such an awesome question, right? So I think what we'll do is I'll answer it from my point of view and then Jay can help us out, right? Okay, so... How do you know when you're ready to try dating again after your last relationship is ruined by BPD? Well, you know you are ready to try dating again when you trust yourself enough to have been vulnerable, first of all, and vulnerable in your recovery, vulnerable to your therapist or your coach or whoever's working with you. Um, And also when you can really look yourself in the mirror and find good qualities about yourself. When you can be loyal to your word, too. You know, when you say what you mean, and you mean what you say, then you can, again, like, trust yourself. And if you could trust yourself, then you know that you're not going to allow borderline personality disorder to just creep in because you'll be so mindful and so self-aware that that wouldn't even be a possibility. What do you think? I mean, I think, uh, you know, her not giving a lot of time in between relationships uh, since she was 15. Uh, You know, her circumstance is actually perfect right now. She's in first year law school, uh, which is going to be a lot of work and a lot of attention paid to, you know, her ultimate path. Um, And that's so important to stay on your path and you know, the right guy will get your attention and, you know, you will be in the right place at the right time. Uh, but you need to stay on your own uh, path 
for right now and uh, just keep working keep pushing through you are in no rush uh you know relationships that are long lasting are not something that you just jump into doesn't work that way uh there's a lot of building that needs to be done so if you're continuing to build yourself and focus on your uh on on law school um you're going to have so much to bring to a relationship and the right guy is going to recognize that and he's going to want to reciprocate that. Awesome. Very cool. That's a really great answer. You can also say like the right guy, the right partner. Um, and yeah. So, um, and I just, I also want to say, I, I tell people a lot, Jay's completely right. Like relationships, are slow to start it takes time so i tell people like it's boring a relationship that's solid in the beginning is is not as exciting as the relationships you've been in the past maybe where you're rushing right in and it's like intensely impulsive that is you know yeah it's not going to be characteristic of the relationship that you have so you can maybe look to that if you find yourself falling deep into this love trap and you can't focus on law school or you can't focus on other things in the beginning of your relationship you know then that's a sign hey i'm not ready you know if you need another option awesome thank you so much for that question so let's go on ready to go to the next question ready awesome okay i don't know how to ask or phrase this in the long list of struggles, codependency is strong. But I also perceive asking for help or needing help weak and just not okay. For myself, though, not for others, okay? In treatment and in therapy and from supportive friends, I'm always encouraged to told and told to lean in, ask for help when I'm in a crisis, accept the help, etc. How do I separate and not manipulate the two of them? Where is the line when asking and accepting help becomes codependent? I hope that makes sense. Okay, well, I'm there's a couple of things. I know, you know, Jay can answer a little bit about not about being vulnerable and how that's difficult. But I'll say first, like you said, you perceive asking for help or needing help weak and just not okay. And then later on you say in the question, how do you separate and not manipulate the two of them? Well, you have to think, you know, I have to wonder, like, do you really think that asking for help or needing help is weak? If you would also then go ahead and manipulate a situation to get help, right? So what kind of help are you talking about needing? And so I think really that's that's the question. What kind of help are you talking about needing? And is, is that this barrier, is the barrier that you have real help, vulnerable help? And not the kind of like BPD intense impulsive help. What do you think, Jay? I think you nailed it. Um, you know, it, it all depends on what what it is that you need help with. Um, you know, as you kind of touched on, vulnerability is a huge thing. Uh, people look at vulnerability as weakness. Um, but when you are vulnerable to others, you know, you really give them a chance to offer their best best self to you. Um, you know, and, in terms of the manipulation, you know, that's just, that's old behavior. Yeah. And, uh, that's something that is a formula that you've been running for a long time. Um, you know, not the worst thing in the world, but it's definitely something that needs to be updated, uh, in order for you to start to trust people and start to, uh, 
to lend vulnerability to others, you know, especially people that are there just kind of waiting, you know, for you to say the word and then they do want to step in and help. Um, but, uh, you know, it's you need to actually be vulnerable uh, to others um, for them to be able to offer themselves, you know, and their best self. You know, that's it. That's important to to understand. But you nailed it on the head. Thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of like when I would tell you things like I would tell you so many things about my life, but just like random thoughts. I would just talk and talk. But when something important would happen to me, like something big, I just wouldn't say it. You know, just such a bizarre thing. And you pointed that out to me. Right. Like, when I was working in an office at the time, I remember, like, having really good things happen in terms of the office dynamic and things that were happening. But I wouldn't say any of those things. I wouldn't tell you big things, right? Right. And, you know, and there's a big difference between talking and communicating. You know, communicating is, is uh, you know, verbal and body language. Um, you really start to get each other when you are communicating with one another. Um, you can, you know, look through some emotional um, outcries and still be able to communicate with one another. And that's just, that's so important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I just find it really interesting that we will do all these things to ask for, like, non-real help, right? But, like, that, that vulnerable help is so, so difficult to get to awesome okay let's go to our last question for this episode um let's see what does it feel like this is actually a two-part question okay what does it feel like to truly start having a self-identity and liking who you are i've lived my whole life with bpd and thought that feelings of emptiness and unworthiness were normal i'm going through the motions Example, finding work that interests me, hanging out with friends, working out, but nothing has really clicked yet. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that, well, I speak for myself, you know, when I was going through this process of figuring out who I was, nothing really was like as intense and as impulsive as even just wallowing and ruminating. Like there's just being in my negative emotional space was so impulsively intense for me the other things that I would do were like dysfunctional behaviors those things were really intense too like you know eat eating is a really like impulse impulse driven um behavior for me so those feelings that I was looking for I was looking for something when I went on this journey of finding myself that would match that but I didn't ever find it so you know it's it's turning your mind towards creating new patterns and habits and understanding that normal everyday life isn't really that intensely exciting so if you're going out there and you're doing things that interest you you're hanging out with friends you're working out you know keep doing that and over time you will find first of all you'll find solace and comfort in having routines of like you know calm activities that you're doing sorry about that that's our dogs they always pop up when jay's recording with me i remember that episode where boomer was snoring (laughs) okay um so you'll find like calm i think and solace in the routine and also i will say like with sam on the last podcast if you listen to that episode 
you know, do things that are, like, way out of character, things that you wouldn't do. Like, I, I sewed a blanket one time. I bought this, uh, what I thought was a sewing machine at a thrift store, but it was actually one of those fancy sewing machines. Like, I think it's called an overlocker. Well, I'm not sure what the name of the sewing machine is, but I bought it, and I went to the fabric store, and I bought, um, like, this very, like, velvety fabric, and I used this sewing machine broke a lot of needles and I sewed my son a blanket for Christmas one year. It was like something that I would just have never done before. But in doing those things, I just proved to myself that I'm capable, which really is a huge part of the journey of identity development. Because you can look in the mirror and you're like, I'm capable. I'm not empty. I can do so many things. And like Sam with the ice cream. And if you are on the Facebook page, Sam made that awesome unicorn cake. She never baked a cake like that before. But she started something and finished it. And there's just so much peace and comfort in that. So over time, you will feel that change and that click. I agree. Um, You know, in terms of having the self-identity and liking who you are, that's a daily thing. Uh, That's something that has to be worked on every single day. You know, there's a a quote uh, of kill your clone. Um, meaning do something every day that makes you better than who you were yesterday. Um, and, you know, when you wake up tomorrow, do something that uh, will make you better than today. Uh, so finding an identity that you like, that is completely, I mean, that's awesome because you can make it anything you want. Um, but you need to figure out what's the identity that you want and what's the identity that you're happy with. And that's what you need to be working on every single day so that you become better and better and better and better. You know, a month's time, you're like a completely different person, you know, and uh, you won't even be recognized. So it's a it's a constant endeavor, you know, kill your clone. Um, In terms of the checking replies uh, when texting. Oh, wait, we didn't get that one yet. Oh. (laughs) Sorry. that's okay so we there's a second part to this um (laughs) to this question um so the second part is all right but you know just like back to that whole um nothing has really clicked yet yeah i mean i know that you've spent so much time in this period of feeling emptiness and feeling unworthy i understand that and so to think of to yourself like i'm doing all these things that interest me i'm doing everything that rose says i'm doing what jay says like it's not happening yet you know, I, we get that it takes time it has taken years for you to build these formulas years like i'm uh 30 38 is it 38 it's, it is confirmed i'm 38 years old and so like i say i've i had years right like i mean i want to say like 30 years of bad stuff installed 30 years of emptiness and of unworthiness and so you know it's not going to happen in one month and two months and three months it takes a long time and you know again like outside of your comfort zone you know for example working out do you go to the gym if it's not fun did you try kickboxing did you try crossfit did you try high intensity interval training running right so okay awesome i think we tackled that one pretty good the second part it's not really a second part but this same individual asked two questions and i just wanted to answer both of those so another question she says what's your opinion on checking for replies when texting someone 
for me, it's almost like a compulsion and a safety thing to check if they care I'm safe. But surely this can't be helpful in the long run. Like, I need to be going about my day and building my life. Okay, so before I let Jay answer, because I know he's something great to, he has something great to say, I just want to say, since you're the same person who ans- asked the first question, I want to point out that if you're working on identity development, you want to jump in two feet into identity development. So, like, if you're going out there and doing these new things and interests and you're hanging out with friends and, like, you're working out, but yet in the back of your mind you have one foot out of that identity development door and that foot is in this check your texts, make sure people are always, like, texting you back right in that moment, well, then you're not going to be able to fully, you know, buy into this idea that you can be fulfilled, you can have an identity, you won't always feel empty, right? So you really want to turn your mind and jump two feet in into the identity development and, like, replace that behavior. All right, go ahead, Jay. I agree, you know, and I think that you need to be ready to do this. Um, You need to figure out... uh, what are you willing to do to uh, to change this behavior? Um, anytime you need to um, drop a habit, it has to be replaced with something else. So whenever you get the you know feeling that you have to go and check this text, do something else, um, and then do something else after that. Uh, you know, every single time you get that feeling, you have to jump up and do something else because you're trying to break a habit. Um, you know. Try to figure out, you know, how far you're willing to go with this, um, because maybe at first you need to turn your phone off, um, and for a sp- specific amount of time, and you know, you know that it's off. So, you know, there's no way that you're going to get that notification and you know feel compelled to go and and take a look at it. But no matter what, it's it's the behavior that has to change. Uh, it has to be replaced with something else. So, you know, that's something that, that you should uh, take time to think about. What can I replace uh, this behavior um, with and, yeah. and go for it? Yeah. Do it. Like, really be actively doing that. That's right. Like Nike. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Also, I want to say you said something about safety and I don't want to neglect talking about that so you said it's a safety thing well you know remember like the journey of identity development part of that is to create your own safety this whole thing you know that i'm trying to do and the work that i'm doing and this you know idea of having core values and moral compass work and identity development formation you know these are elements that build upon one another which ultimately lead to you creating safety within yourself you know we oftentimes look to other people to rescue us and keep us safe and especially something like whether or not someone can text you back like that's such a um a porous safety net right like it reminds me of trapeze artists i'm thinking of and they fall and there's like a big hole in the net that's supposed to catch them what if the cell tower's down what if they're they drop their phone you know what if there's an emp attack and nobody can use their cell phones you know i'm you know being silly but honestly like that's you need a solid foundation of safety something that you know you can look within yourself You can be loyal to your word, like I said earlier, and you can trust yourself. That's safety. 
but you got to take that leap like jay's saying replace those behaviors and like have patience over time it will get better and you will feel safe within yourself awesome well thank you so much for helping me with that q a my pleasure jay and i will be back next week we're gonna do an episode on nutrition and fitness like i've been saying for a few weeks so i'm really excited about that keep the questions coming we'll keep doing q a every week and yeah we'll see you next week thanks guys are you feeling lost frustrated or resentment towards your loved ones your friends your family your partner your kids Are you looking for online counseling or mindset and life coaching because of this pandemic? Go ahead and check out thriveonlinecounseling.com. Again, that's thriveonlinecounseling.com. We offer secure, convenient, and confidential telehealth sessions. You can schedule your free initial consult right online or even pay for your first 60-minute individual session. Give us a call at 1-844-984-7483 if you have any questions at all. Let us be a part of your recovery journey. Okay, thanks for listening. That was from Borderline and Beautiful, a production of Thrive Mind Body LLC online coaching that helps frustrated individuals, resentful couples, and disconnected families navigate through tough times. Visit us on the web at thriveonlinecounseling.com. If you like this show, remember, you can hear it on Anchor or Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or any app that you use to listen to podcasts. Subscribe to get a new episode every Monday. If you want to get in touch, you can leave me a voice message. Some of you had some comments and questions from the last episodes, and I'd love to hear whatever questions you have, too. Just download the Anchor mobile app, search for From Borderline to Beautiful, and tap the message button to send me a voice message. We'll have all those links in the show description. Okay, we made it. Thanks again for listening. I'm Rose Skeeters, and I'll be back next week with another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Talk to you then.